Right, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist specialising in sports nutrition. Thank you for downloading and listening in. The podcast generally focuses on nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences, and at this point, I have over 150 episodes up and available to you. So after you listen to this one, look back and see if you resonate with some of the titles, and I hope you find something useful. The show is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Now, use Matt10 at checkout to get 10% off your first order. I've just made my autumn purchases. They're Ultimate Greens Powder, Energy Bars, Energy Drink for my cycling and running. And if you're keen on exploring natural sports nutrition-based products for fueling and recovery purposes, then definitely take a look and I hope you find something useful. Also, I'm working with Fourth Edge, who deliver biomarker finger prick testing kits to your home. If you click the link in my show notes, you'll be taken through to a page showing some of the tests that I may, that I may, that I think you may find useful. Vitamin D, cholesterol and subtypes, long form blood sugar tests, to name a few. And I'm an affiliate and I'll receive a kickback if you purchase through them. I've spoken to Fourth CEO a couple of times on the pod, Sarah Bolt. And if you find those conversations in the show notes, then I hope you find those listen, those listen, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I hope you find those useful. So I also do the test myself. I use their service. I do their baseline test in April and November most years. So if you like the show, please share it with someone. Ultimately, it's the only way the show will grow. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and leave me a review. That'd be mega. Okay, we've made it. Today, I'm speaking with a chap called Rob Burge and he is a strength and conditioning coach. Rob and I worked together almost 10 years ago for a professional rugby team called Worcester Warriors. We were bright eyed interns back then entering elite sport at the coalface and I'm really looking forward to catching up with Rob and I hope you find this wide-ranging conversation useful. As always I'll link to Rob in the show notes and anything we discuss. Okay enjoy. Rob welcome to the show mate it's brilliant having you on. Mate good morning I'm delighted that you uh you flicked me a message to come on the big feed up HQ. You've uh, you've had some decent guests so I'm, I'm delighted to be on. No, you're really welcome, mate. And I've had a I've had a big focus in the last few shows around nutrition. So I'm not saying we won't talk about that, but it's brilliant to have someone on from a coaching standpoint, from a strength and conditioning standpoint. So before we get into that, I think, mate, it would just be good to know how you're doing and, and where you are in the world, you know, during the pandemic and everything going on at the moment. Yeah, it's strange old times, isn't it, at the moment? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm... <laughs> Like we said just before we, we came on, I've actually been okay being at home with part of the pandemic because me and Kay are expecting the first little little and so we've been we've been able to plan for that together, um, which has been nice. Um, but otherwise, like coaching, it's just been a strange old time. I mean, I'm at Solent Uni at the moment, heading up their Panted Athlete Scholarship program and their High Performance Scholars. Um, but obviously, we, we sort of shut the gym down, I think, 14th of March. We went back in until mid-September, which is a hell of a long time to be doing, um, for want of a better term, remote coaching, shall we say, with with athletes and everyone's sort of in the same boat, you know, bits over Zoom and Teams and coffee catch-ups because everyone's sort of a bit out of sort of doing training online and 
trying to manage 20 microphones on one screen is a, is a bit of a nightmare in itself. So, but no, we're, we're, we're doing well. And obviously we've, we're going back into a, another short lockdown, but fingers crossed it won't be like the last. So. Mm. Cool, mate. Well, look, if we pick up on that strand a little bit in terms of that performance role, do you, do you work with other coaches and then are the athletes coming to you, are they from different sports or, you know, what's the kind of setup there? Yeah, I mean, at, at, at Solon we've got a bit of an eclectic mix. So what have we got? we got, I think, 13 different sports, 38 athletes, um, both able-bodied and disabled athletes, um, most of which compete at a national level. Um nine different nationalities which is kind of fun because we have a bit of crack sort of they teach me different languages and i try and sort of bring that to the fore in the session um but no it's 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 interesting because we've got a small team we, we have a physio we've got the snc i have two um graduate interns that deliver the snc program alongside me um, we have six therapy interns that work alongside we have a wellness advisor and then we also have um sort of nutritional services as well um and psychology support for our TAF athletes um but it's it's unique in as much that because you because you've got so many different sports you're actually mediating with a lot of different coaches so different to previous roles where actually you've been part of one big coaching team and, and you see each other every day or or um or at least speaking every day i'm sort of managing say six basketball lads from from the Div one BBL team and, and trying to mediate with their coach have then got, you know, different coaches for Spanish sailing, um, GB windsurfing. I've got three decathletes on the program and constantly in liaison. So your mind, your mind's quite busy a lot of the time. So that it's, it's a, it's a decent skill that I'm still learning to be able to sort of manage how to best build those rapports with coaches. Some we work with a bit more closely, others, Actually, we, we sort of just tip away and I just flick an email bi-monthly, say, look, how's the technical side of things looking? Is there anything you want me to address? Are you happy with the direction they're going? And we keep it very short like that. But, um, yeah, that, that sort of working with coaches and things is, is a bit up in the air sometimes, particularly during COVID. It's, it's been a bit of a nightmare. So. Yeah, what you're saying is kind of, Although I'm hearing it is maybe, you know, those corridor conversations, obviously, before the pandemic with coaches and just being able to check in and hopefully get on the same wavelength. And then obviously you, all the complexity in your mind around performance and hopefully some of the things we'll get into about screening and bits and bobs like that. You know, you kind of keep that on one side and then the other side is how am I going to how am I going to understand what the coach and, you know, the, the group of players from this sport want out of it? And then how am I going to kind of push them in the direction of where I think they need to go for their athletic development, mate. So yeah, I think I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on because obviously now you're very you're very experienced as a coach and I don't think there's especially today in this conversation, there's too much point kind of debating about modalities of training and things like that because obviously um there's a lot of information out there and obviously it isn't always great and especially a lot of the stuff you see from training on Instagram, things like that you must cringe on. But I think highlighting um you know the relationships with coaching I know you do some mentoring you obviously work with some uh not necessarily younger but you know less experienced staff so I think in a bit it'd be great to dig into that and like you said the kind of problem solving aspect of the job but if we if we park that for a second I think it'll be great 
I'll link to you in the show notes, obviously, personally, so people can see a bit of the trajectory in your career. But it'd be cool to reverse back a little bit and just hear about how you got into becoming a strength and conditioning coach. And then obviously, it's great to learn about that as a role and how you've developed and grown into it. Because I think obviously, people people don't always necessarily understand the depth of, of that kind of role. Because obviously, most people see personal training coaches in gyms and things like that so obviously this is different isn't it and and um, more complex and you're I know you won't say it but you're very highly qualified individuals so I think the people that listen to this and engage with it will be quite interested in that side of your journey yeah well mate I'm flattered that you uh you put me in that category um yeah the the, the S&C like why S&C and how did I get into it it started way back like I've, I've always enjoyed training um I've always, you know, I, I, I love sport. I have, I follow most things. I have, you know, I think I've played the, the main three as a, as a kid growing up, um, you know, football, rugby, cricket, um, the school and, and external. But really, the I sort of had my eye on s and secondary career um, initially. Um, obviously, before, before we met way back, um, my plan was to sort of go into the military, which which I did. Um, and at the time, you know, a lot of teams were going down to sort of military establishments, doing sort of, um, you know, camps down there or, or checking in periodically. And I thought that'd be the way to sort of get into professional sport because that's what I wanted at the time. Anyway, I, I, I went that route, um, decided after a while that, it, it, you know, this wasn't for me for a, for a long game. Um, so I left and of course I was sort of at that point in that fork in the road where I thought well do I continue to want to go S&C or, or do I try other things and I went to Gloucester Uni because they had the course running and that's kind of how that, that journey into S&C started for me I did the undergrad I was very fortunate I picked up an internship after my very first semester in first year um, which subsequently led to near on four years with Gloucester Cricket, sort of part-time, two years an intern and two years part-time working. Obviously, after that, me and you crossed paths, uh, jumped on the internship with Worcester Warriors, um, where me, you and Will had some crack that summer in pre-season. Um, yeah, and Malvin, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Malvin College, yeah. He's come up a few times, I remember those days. Um, two early starts there. And... Uh, yeah, after that, I did my Masters with, with sort of Bristol City Football while continuing to just have a few bits. And then my, my first full-time gig actually came at, you know, if we're thinking, I started uni in 2010. My first full-time gig was 2015 when I went out to Ireland to the sports surgery clinic. And then I had a couple of roles out there. I had four years in Ireland, four brilliant years. Um, sort of doing bits with various sort of um, Gaelic football teams, both reps level and county level I then went on to Cricket Ireland we're based up at the Institute of Sport in Abbottstown there um, before taking this role so I've yeah, I've had a bit of a journey and in, I guess the, the reason why I highlight all those roles is in every single one I've kind of had to wear a slightly different hat as an S&T coach um, and mate, I've done things that I didn't even expect to be in the job description you know <laughs> um, some of, some of the bits when we were touring with, with Cricket Island, you know, you, you go as a small tour party to the subcontinent and 
you know, you're, you're doubling, tripling up on roles, um, uh, doing bits that definitely aren't in the job description when you're at uni. Um, other bits, when I was at the sports surgery clinic, you know, I went there with no MSK knowledge at all. This is a, this is a hospital, a sports med hospital. Um, and the expectation is that you learn to do sort of those assessments and screening. And I learned a hell of a lot from the practitioners there about maybe not so much being task focused as, as S&Cs um, generally are and what we do, but a bit more people focused. Those early conversations that in, in the sort of initial assessments and sort of being that soundboard for patients who, who carry a little bit more than say just the, the physical ailments. Um, so I learned a hell of a lot there. Cricket Ireland, mixed bag. The men were pro, the women weren't, both competing on the international scene. I'm, I'm working with the senior, both senior sides. Um, have to manage and treat them very differently. One, you've got full-time staff. The other, I'm the only full-time member. Everyone else is a consultant. So we we'd literally, the first time we see each other is like at the airport before we jump on a plane to go off to a tournament somewhere. It's, it's still a bit manic. And then obviously, Solent Uni now with the dual career athletes is an interesting one because we, we've got some very high-level athletes, none of which are on a big funding uh, package or are pro. So they're trying to sort of forge their, their career and, and sort of have that uni lifestyle as much as they can, as well as manage their expectations and athletes. So it's a, it's a bit scary. Like I've, I've got a good few years on a few of them, which makes me feel quite old because I still feel young at heart. But again, that's another hat and probably that, that sort of mentoring role that I have to do a bit more there um, that's slightly different from the pro sport. So. Mm. Mate, there's quite a lot to unpack there, but it's you know brilliant for sharing. And I think the first place I'd like to start would be that five, you know, that five main years of research and studying. People listening to this, that's a huge amount of time. And obviously, you dug into some research projects and things like that there. And like you said, it's very different when you're in the coal face of having to obviously put on different hats and you and you go out in the strength and conditioning role. But like you said, you were doing all manners of jobs on tour and things like that. But do you feel, did you do those extra courses because at the time, like you said, maybe that was that was the ceiling effect, you know, you thought, right, if I don't do a master's or if I don't do this, you know, I may not get in the door. But then also, did, did you find that a lot of that real kind of hard work, understanding all that side of things, the research, the implementing all those projects, did that really carry over? Or do you think that most people in your position, they won't get through the door unless they have those things behind their name or is it a bit of both like what do you see there um it's a, it's a good question and one that's we see on twitter on on the threads like it's very hotly debated would i have been fortunate enough to to get the things that i got without doing it no i don't think i would but i think the bit that people don't see is before my first full-time role i was rejected from 14 15 roles you know that were arguably some of them were smaller than the first role that i got based on experience um some of them gave feedback which i guess you you can i use that some of them don't that's fine they now receiving applications i understand probably why because you get hundreds um but i guess you, you just got to try and learn from every experience like i had good experiences and bad experiences in in um sort of the the bits that i did i bit off a bit more than i could choose sometimes and, and found myself sort of 
not being able to do the work as well as I wanted, which is a learning curve in itself. Um, but really, I think it's, it, you just have to get, get, you know, get amongst it and learn of people. Like, I mean, I think we, we often, young practitioners often look to, to people who are out there and doing good things who are in the spotlight and, you know, some of the, the big names, but actually like, you know, I learned a hell of, hell of a lot off of you when we were at Worcester and we, we were both interns. Granted, like you did the nutrition, I was doing the S&C. But even though all the discussions me, you and Will used to have over a cup of coffee when we were away from the senior coaches, you take stuff away away from that and all of that builds to that bigger picture. I do remember like first week of undergrad, we had a guest lecturer come in and he was like, look, to succeed in S&C, you're going to need a master's. And my heart sunk because I was like, oh, bloody hell, like, I've just signed up for three years and now you're telling me I've got another one or two on top. Um, is that the differentiating factor? I'm not convinced. I think if you can get solid undergrad and and a, and a good masters, like I'm, I guess I'm I'm the old school. I think if you can come out with a first that shows diligence, um, it shows attention to detail. They're they're the sort of qualities that actually you need when you go into those, some of those high pressure environments or the environments whereby there is a lot of organisation. So. It's, it's a tough one. You definitely need coaching experience. Ultimately, you have to be able to coach. That's what we do. Like, if, if, if you're not great with people, you, you know, you're probably going to struggle in uh, the cold face. But equally, you've got to have that knowledge there because you've got to be able to apply it. You can't just throw mud at the wall and see if it sticks because you'll come unstuck. There's definitely a blend. Um, it gets bashed a bit, the, the sort of field at times for, for the way it handles, but it's it's still in its infancy. I think you just got to try and make the best of every situation. You make decisions at that, that those forks in the road for a certain reason. And sometimes they're the right one, sometimes the wrong one, but you just got to run with it and make good. Um, and look, it, it's about making good impressions. Like I say, that first, I got rejected from, like I say, a lot of jobs before. Neil Welsh, um, who's the head of rehab up at the, the sports surgery clinic in Dublin. I interviewed for the position. I didn't get it, and he rang me back at about Christmas time and sort of said, look, we like you, a little bit undercooked. Why don't you consider this? Um, but keep an eye on us. And, and true to his words, he rang me back six months later and said, look, we've got a job coming up. Would you like to go for it? Um, and, yeah, I, I, I got the role, and that's kind of how I, I got my foot on the ladder. But, again, without sort of taking, heeding his advice and running with those few extra bits to, to plug the holes, he might well have just gone, well, actually, he's not done what we've said, so... We'll, we'll go elsewhere. Yeah, so I'm hearing again is that trying to stay sharp and um, attention to detail. And I think, like you said, you're in the position now of hiring people and wanting to uh, build a, a great team around you, people you trust. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with you saying, right, I'd quite like to look at what you've got in your studies and how well you perform, because obviously it translates over to when the pressure's on, you know, can you can you manage, can you can you be detailed can you be disciplined and I think that's a great quality to look for and like you said mate you know there'll be a lot of people who have the top marks but like you said may not be able to engage in those corridor conversations or be able to relate to to an employer and then you know have that confidence to say look keep my name down I'm going to go and work on these things and I want to come back to you so I think there's some there's some interesting takeaways there and um, like you said it's just been a bit of a blend and there's you've obviously been you've been quite thorough and 
uh, you've developed things in a way and you move forward. But it's good for the listener to hear that there has been some barriers. And also a lot of the time, you you know, you probably applied for lots of roles and you never know how things are going to work out. So obviously, you know, someone sees what you're doing now and thinks, wow, you know, that's really accomplished. But actually, you know, you spent most of your, most of your 20s studying and then obviously taking on some of these roles and now getting into some of these lead roles and it's like okay you know it's not it's not like I'm done it's almost like right the work's just started and this is when people are looking you know people are looking at what I'm doing and all these athletes and all these nationalities and able-bodied and disabled and mate it's exciting I think that's why I wanted to get you on the show because obviously we haven't spoken in depth for a long time and you and and you do wear quite a few hats and it's it's good to tease apart what a strength and conditioning coach really really is all about because I think you kind of you you know you live that side of things and that's obviously your job but then also I liked how um especially on some of your social media handles you know you're not off off work wise you don't take things as as seriously you know calamity <laughs> calamity surfer fair weather biker dabbling cricket would rather be fishing like what's uh what's what's that all about mate does that keep you you know when the pressure's on does that when you when you're out you know doing your uh doing your your casting your net and doing all that kind of stuff does that is that a way for you to find balance and then you're back to the detail, back to these, you know, really intense, pressured, high performing environments? Is that a good way for you to kind of find a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of release? Yeah, I, I think so. Like it's, it's, a, it's a skill that I'm, I'm definitely still working on. Like I, you know, uh, my, my Mrs. K, she, she would always be in my ear like, you know, just just take your brain away from it, let it go, you know. Um, like particularly in Ireland it was difficult because I I was working on living there during the week but I would commute across and Kay would commute so we're on flights every week um which at the time you did but looking back now having had you know 18 months back in in our own house and everything which we always had as opposed to just living in it for the weekend I don't know how we managed it but I, I guess on, I, my head just used to be constantly in work. Oh, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And I'd just get to the point where I'd just feel burnt and actually wouldn't be really effective at anything. And I'd just have a, a, a you know, I'd have to take my brain for a dump and, you know, go away somewhere. Now I just find bits of, you know, I, I, I take the dog out every day. It's, it's kind of like it's relaxing, but also when the cogs turn. Um, but I've just found a, a bit more balance. Like I don't fish as much as I'd like to, but for my sins, I do enjoy my fishing. I like to be by myself, lakeside, particularly if the sun's out. Um, me and Kay like to get out surfing and, and I'm not very good. I spend more time falling off than stood up, hence the calamity surf a bit. Um, but yeah, I, like you, you have to find, you have to find a, a, a wee bit of balance there. Like um, you have to, to sort of recharge like I mean I one of the things that I first did in this role because it wasn't like pro sport and, and needed to be there all the time I just said to the athletes but if it's an emergency I'm probably not the right person to be regular anyway but I'm there for you but otherwise please just respect the boundaries like post this time on Friday you know by all means flick me a message but I'm not going to pick it up till half seven Monday morning earliest you know um and I think that sometimes that we struggle with coaches, they are on social hours a lot of the time what we do, like you're up early on a Saturday when other people are lying in or, or planning their day and you're off doing coaching sessions or having to have difficult conversations. So you have to find that that release and, and yeah, like I
like I'm not I'm not a big big one on social media, but the weekend is about time time with the missus, time with the dog, watching Liverpool sort of do their thing. I'm enjoying that at the moment. Obviously, had a few years where we we've not been so good, um, but you definitely have to strike a balance. And I find that actually now that I'm getting better at it, when I roll into work on a Monday, it's less of a bugbear, and, and I have a lot more enthusiasm to just say right, let's let's crack on with the week, let's tackle some of these big. Yeah, agreed. And I think I can relate to that, especially now um, being 30 compared to being in the 20s. I think you just wear a lot of that busyness and you think, okay, you know, I can push through and it's all about the graph. But then actually, you know, I'm getting decision fatigue a bit earlier, um, especially in my 20s, similar to you. I was always doing part time study and then trying to work and trying to push forward there. And just things would usually social life and like agreeing to things would just fall around a bit. And then you just quite, you know, you question, you're like, actually, you know, if my work lifestyle and my studying is, is going one way, but then actually I'm just not very reliable as a human being, you know, you can't, I just didn't really, I didn't really want to live with that. Maybe I'm still not that reliable, but I think it's, yeah, it's important now to take that time and what, and whatever you want to get into. And maybe there's no knocking the fishing at all. You know, you just have to find something that you, that, that you love, you know, maybe, maybe when yeah. you're being quite detailed, intricate and, uh, you know, very, very direct. A lot of your colleagues probably wouldn't see you standing and fishing and being all chilled out. But I think it's nice to wear both hats, isn't it? So then you can go in and do that. Yeah. Well, I think, do you know what? It's interesting because, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be fascinated to know what some people are saying. Like, COVID has obviously presented a, a lot of challenges and, and obviously serious ramifications. But just just on a, on a work level, for me personally, my, my old housemate who, who I used to live with, in Ireland, we we still chat most. Of, I mean, we lived together for four years. We're we're thick as thieves. He's he's on the RFU seventh program. So obviously, his lifestyle be a bit manic, and at times we we wouldn't see each other for a month because he'd be away, and then I'd be away in the overlapping days. But we we were chatting through COVID, and actually, as uh, as dire a situation as it has been. He sort of, we, we both sort of mirrored each other and said, actually, it's been a, a really good time to actually just collect the thoughts and go, geez, actually, I do need to find that time to just sit back. Because even, even obviously, as coaches, I, I was fortunate. I didn't get furloughed. You know, I, I kept my job. I, I've spoken with people who weren't as fortunate as me um, and are quite hard up. But obviously, my hours were significantly reduced because I couldn't do the face-to-face coaching. But yet my head was still sort of frenzy busy. And that was, that was the thing we were talking about. Actually, you've got to take this time to, to use the R&R. It's not through any fault of your own that this has come about. Use the time wisely, recharge, get set. And like I say, I've come back to this September, albeit we're going into another four-week lockdown now. But I felt a lot, a lot more charged and, and infused. And I think that's kind of been shared across probably probably a lot of industries similar to that that sort of sporting nature where it is a bit unsociable, it is a bit frenetic and, and well, just have a little bit of structure, there's a lot of deviation off that line when you go into work each week. Definitely, definitely. And part of what I do in terms of private healthcare in the city, I've, I'd be really interested, I haven't obviously seen anyone face-to-face in a while, but the amount of times I was speaking to people and like you said, their minds are kind of just so all over the shop and they've kind of busted into one of the gyms or clinics that I'm working in you're doing a consult and you can just see they've taken this hour lunch break and it's all it's all fast paced whereas now when I'm speaking to people most of the time you know they're in their own homes and they've taken a bit of time and like you said they might have had a walk in the morning or they've taken a nice lunch break and got some sun and then they think actually 
I can have a bit, you know, a bit more of a clear cut conversation with um, someone like myself around nutrition, mostly or lifestyle and management and things like that. So, yeah, I think obviously it's not easy. There's a lot of hard lines for so many people, but hopefully with with what we do, we can find a bit more clarity as as coaches and practitioners, and then we can hopefully then support people as well because um, you know if we can help them in terms of their movement, their fitness, their vitality, their nutrition and all that nourishment side of things. And I think that's really positive. And we're both wired in the same way, mate. I think part of me is always looking at, okay, who am I helping at the moment? I wonder how they're feeling, what's going on. Um, And I catch myself just thinking about that at strange times. And I think, I bet these clients aren't as focused and as honed in as I am with what they're even up to. But I think it's just the way way we are, maybe. And you just embrace that and and um you just have to like you said try to find the balance and things like that too so and it's good that's why i like having these conversations on the pod because you you break things down a little bit more and a lot of the rhetoric as well you know qualified masters what's the best program to get someone more powerful you know what are we going to do in off season to build muscle all these kind of things you know it just gets lost around actually how are you coping as a coach getting up at six and working until midday on a saturday and um, the big push in winter, um, you know, are you getting enough sleep and what are you like on the gym floor and all these things just aren't really said, are they? So it's good to get it's good to get into that and kind of tease things out a little bit, really. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, mate, at the moment, obviously, it's it 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 can't be um, well, obviously it goes without saying, it can't be the best time for a lot of the athletes and people you work with because competition-wise and things, everything's quite uncertain. Um, so, you know, at the moment with this month's lockdown, where where is your head at? Is it in terms of, look, OK, we're, we're going to try and do the best we can with outdoor workouts with you guys. And we're looking at a bit of a maintenance program or are, are any of I know you're seeing a lot of athletes at the moment, but are any of them trying to take the opportunity to, if we can just use that term, you know, fill a few gaps in terms of maybe some some of their uh, weak points or some of their places that they want to develop on physically or um, stuff like that really so how how's that gone have you kind of had to jump on these zoom calls with some of your coaches and then obviously try to get all this remote work doing you know have you got athletes sending you over videos and things like that how have you managed to kind of put that together in the last few weeks um it's it's been a little bit manic because obviously the you know the bill only got passed on wednesday and we were waiting for which national government bodies would come back and clear their athletes as, as being elite and whereas before in in the long lockdown obviously a lot more people vocal because it's only four weeks at the moment it's only basketball england who've come out and said look you know our our, our national Div one men and women are allowed to train so at the moment they are the only people we're allowed in the gym um despite having other national athletes so that in itself presents a little bit of a barrier because we we come off a long break we just got back into the swing of things you know we're, we're six weeks deep and we're we're another looking at another four weeks potentially the the new year rightly or wrongly we've probably changed tack a bit it's not quite the same as the last one we knew the last one well at the time when they announced it, it was kind of for an indefinite amount of time they've, they've put a time frame on this um but i think some of the learnings from the last one was the the sort of snc team we, we probably tried to get a bit too sexy we were like right okay we'll, we'll jump on zoom this is what this person's working with we know they don't have much kit um you know we were trying to you know with guys with who, who needed to put mass on for instance like we were trying to do like really slow tempo high volume training but you know we're talking they've only got like a, a 
dumbbell set from Gamley's, which the old man had in the loft somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, and actually, it, it got to the point where, you know, buck sport and all other competitions, all their national competitions have been moved, you know, qualification for things like 2024 and, and going into senior programs at GB level have been pushed on and, and not had a date put down. So from the athlete perspective, actually, the, the training was was very monotonous. Most of them are pretty outgoing and, and they were confined to within like a kilometre of their house, the guys on the continent. You know, they... they um, and without having that focus or, or that that date to work back from, I, I guess like anything, it's quite hard to, to let it wander. Um, and we got we got to be honest, by halfway through lockdown, I'd actually completely like relaxed it off and been like, right, let's let's jump on a call, let's have a quick catch up, even if it was just to shoot the breeze and there was no talk of training, just to just to keep that contact. But actually, I found guys have found their rhythm. Because at that stage, some of them were really enjoying, you know, doing their running and bits and pieces. And all right, it might not have been the sort of training that perhaps I would have given them had we been normally trained. But they actually required that for the headspace. You know, they're sharing a house with, with you know, siblings and parents. Or, you know, they're, they're, for the guys on the continent, like we had a few guys in Spain and Italy who were housebound other than going to the grocery store for quite literally three and a half months solid. Um so you, you kind of actually have to just take a step back and go, well, look, how am I feeling? I'm still able to take the dog out. I'm still able to actually have a bit of freedom. I've got my own place. I can I can make as much mess or be as tidy as I want. You know, it's just me and Kay here. And I'm, you kind of take a step back and go, look, where's the head at? What do they need? Um, all the sport's been moved. It, we're not working towards anything. Actually, just focus. Get, get your uni work squared away for the year, you know, enjoy the time as best you can with family and friends. We did have people who were unfortunately affected by COVID and, and very sadly lost like people as well. And, and of course, that's, you forget that in those, those sort of times, actually, because you're really the only person that they're having a lot of contact with, sometimes, unknowingly, you call up for a quick catch up and you become the soundboard. So it's very different. Um, but taking all those learnings, we've, we've now just gone into this next four weeks. We were able to plan a bit more, so we've actually loaned a good bit of kit from our gym um, out because the public, we, we're fortunate we've got sort of free gyms and we have our own performance gym where the public gym's been closed. So I've been able to take kit from there and put it in onto our gym for the basketball guys. And I've been able to loan kit out to guys so they can actually do work. But for this four weeks, completely changed tack. I've just said, right, we just stop where we are at the moment, one focus and one focus only, let's get that squared away for the four weeks. None of this, oh, we'll, you know, we'll drip feed this in and well, I've got a few shoulders, I've got a few ankles at the moment, we're just going to nail that. I've got guys who, who need to work on their conditioning, we're just going to nail that. And we're just working to what we have. Um, uh, and actually, funnily enough, I took a lot of inspiration. I know when you used to do the stuff with, with North Face and do all the training outside, it was just kind of, you know, saying, guys, look, if you if you do want to get through work, go down the field, find a find a, a railing around the rugby field and, and do some incline rows, you know, and bits and pieces like that. There's, there's actually plenty of things that if you think outside the box, you can use to, to sort of entertain yourself. But like I say, this time we've set people up Four weeks, we'll work to that. If it goes longer, we'll review. 
right now, 2nd of December, we're going to work the assumption that we're coming back into the gym. So up to that point, park this, this is what we're going for. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's an important message for people listening because we're in that culture of, okay, Monday morning, write your week plan, make sure you're achieving about five to seven things minimum or you're useless. But actually, from a coach and a, and a practitioner standpoint, I, I agree, mate. You know, there's always there's always that goal. And like you said, if the goalposts have shifted in terms of the competition or, um, you know, in your arena, it's it's qualifying, isn't it, for certain positions and things in all these um elite sports and age group things so if that's not there you know what's the goal that you can work on physically but actually most of the time it's thinking about checking in with how you're feeling too um and I'm the same you know well obviously I don't I don't work with um you know athletes full-time like yourself but with most people it's it is that goal one or two sub goals may drip in but they're kind of they're kind of naturally there anyway and they're things that the person yeah. has probably brought up and thought actually I can work on this in the short term and then we'll just cut there so most people are checking with monthly with with some new stuff I'm doing it's going to be weekly and then that will be definitely only one thing to look at because obviously you have with I find doing these kind of things the, the more check-ins I get it's it's great because like you said you can act as the soundboard and we don't have to do everything at once because we're speaking more regularly. Um, so that's just it's just trying to take the pressure off people. And then, as you said there, your athletes are thriving because they think I'm going to work on my ankle for four weeks or I'm going to work on my conditioning and I can get down the park and run a hill or I can I can really, you know, I can learn to do 20, 20 push and pull exercises, four or five sets. And I'm feeling really robust. And I think that's brilliant because it is only a month, isn't it? And And you can just build some momentum and then when they get back and hopefully you have all the setup around around them again then you can then you can add the specificity and there's then there's nothing stopping them so hopefully they come they come back and they're a bit more resilient and then you guys obviously as a team have had to think outside the box a bit and then hopefully taken the pressure off yourselves because yeah it must be interesting mate when you look you know you look at what you do now and lead strength and conditioning coach and you've got people coming to you and things like that and is it fair to say, like you said, it's taken a little while to realise actually I don't I don't have to have a toolbox um, you know, that, that that's endless. Sometimes I, I can just work on a couple of things and actually that's that's far more effective. Even though the industry might might want me to bring out my shiny toolbox all the time, actually it might only have one or two things in it and, and I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting. I mean I know you had Steve Ingham on a, a little while ago and I read his his book and he's I think paid the uh, first chapter he talked about the Dunning Kruger effect. And that I since since I started out I think I've revisited that several times where I think I'm I'm flying and then I'm like, No, reality check, definitely not and I constantly go back to that and yeah, it look it's it's an interesting one because a lot of what we do is actually the basics. You know, a, a lot of what I tap into is just the fundamentals. Sure, you it, you kind of have to have a bit more knowledge there, and you, you have to keep learning and and different strategies because understanding the more complex things actually make the implementation of of the very easy things even more apparent, and and how important they are. Um, but you know the the. For me, like you mentioned, the toolbox, that's the one thing I always say uh, uh, about training athletes is you, you essentially just give them the tool 
good a program I can write and being seen as the guy who produces all these, you know, athletes who can do numbers, etc. But ultimately, my job is about keeping those players on the pitch. If you and so Kestrel's, so Kestrel's is, is our big flagship sport, basketball. We've got guys who will play Bucks in the top league and then National Div 1 in the top league. So they'll play Wednesday and Saturday, and sometimes if it's Cups, they'll play Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, realistically, on that schedule of pre-trainings a week, on top of study as well, um, you know, are they going to be the ones that are probably going to produce the best numbers, etc. on testing? No. The best thing I can do is actually stream the game on a Monday morning, play it back on YouTube when I'm in the office, just tapping away at some admin and look at how they were. And then when I see them that day, have a conversation and just do some of the most elementary things to ensure that they're ready to train again the next evening and then play for Bucks on Wednesday and then come in and be, get through what we want. Half the time you have a plan in your head and you, you have it in front of you and you're just on the laptop. You're like, no, rip that up. What we're going to do today is this because I just need you to feel fresh again or actually feeling good. Okay, well, I, I thought you'd be tired because the last three weeks you have been. Right, let's let's get after it. I've got some time. Let's go for it. You know, and I think you have to have that knowledge to be able to adapt on your feet. Um, like we say, you've always got that specific adaptation that you're chasing in mind, but there's a hundred ways to skin a cat. I think when you're a young coach, you have this idea of sort of traditional type block type training that just follows this linear path nothing ever happens like that you know you can write a new block right we're getting into this and boom five minutes into the game someone does an ankle right okay rip that up here we go again another assessment that's where having that toolbox like you say yeah it is it is nice to have a few shiny tools in there for sure but the reality is um you, you need a, a wide variety of tools so that you can handle any situation that presents in front of you. You know, um, that's that's the big thing with it. Excellent. Excellent, mate. I think that's really clear. And we managed to circle back really nicely because I think we, we started by obviously just hearing about how you got into doing what you're doing and then we've kind of come back to ultimately your philosophy and being able to think on your feet and um, bring the detail when it's needed. But a lot of the time it's those corridor conversations or you know now those zoom call conversations i could just imagine you on monday watching those youtube videos like drinking your your big coffee and thinking like right okay what what's gonna go on this week but mate look it's been it's it's been absolutely brilliant i'm sure we could you know because we've got almost a decade to catch up on we could end up yarning for a long time but um yeah i think before we go is is there anything you'd like to signpost the listeners to obviously i'll, I'll put in your um social media handles so people can keep in touch with you around the surfing and and fishing and all that kind of stuff but is is there anything you want to signpost people to before we um before we call it a day um not really i mean if people, if people want to get hold of me probably my twitter handle is is the best one if anyone's got any questions it's, it's just at rm burge um again i'm not i'm not a big avid social media pusher so you know i won't be popping up on threads and streams a lot but you know, I, I've been very fortunate to have um, a lot of very, very good mentors. And, and you know, if, if people want to ask questions, then look, sure, you know, drop me drop me a line or, or DM me. Um, likewise, I'm at Solent Uni, so if ever they want to, you know, hook me up, they can just jump on the webpage and they'll find my, my work email. Um, but hopefully, hopefully some people will, will, will take some insight and some lessons from 
my journey. I still very much see it as in its infancy, and you know, I still sort of see myself as a as a bit of a green coach, albeit I've had some different experiences. Um, but yeah, any questions, just just flag it that way. So great, and I'm exactly the same. And I think it's worth people listening to this. And if you like to reach out, then do so. You know, I definitely get a few questions most months not just off the pod but then you know people finding me on other things and just happy to to help and reach out and I do get that question a lot you know how did you get into things and um what did you find useful and how can I uh potentially move forward do I need a postgrad you know are there any kind of other things you think I should pick up so it's worth it's worth reaching out and I think you know Rod's very similar to me it's we you know we are there okay everyone's busy but happy to signpost in the right direction or point someone else out and you never know where those conversations will lead and I'm someone who reaches out to people all the all the time for those kind of things as well so it's uh, it's definitely worthwhile doing but mate it's it's brilliant I'd love maybe you know next year or so when when things are potentially slightly different <clears throat> we could um you know after your debut we could get you get you back on for 2.0 and see how things are going because i think it's uh yeah it's all it's always worth a good conversation from the strength and conditioning standpoint and the coach's standpoint and yeah it sounds like you're going from strength to strength mate so it's been brilliant to have you on yeah mate absolutely if, if we want to do this again i i it's funny because until you have these sort of chats it, it stimulates stimulates a lot of thinking that you you sort of just put to the back of your mind so anytime bud anytime good yeah well that's why i started the pod because you know selfishly it allows me to get back in touch with people um, reach out to people I'm interested in that I follow on social media. And then also you're not on your phone. You're having a good close to an hour long form conversation with someone every week. Sometimes I do two a week. So it's brilliant, mate. Yeah, no, it's really good. And um, yeah, as always, lovely people, if you like the show, please share it with someone. It's the only way the show will grow. I'll leave everything in the, in the show notes for, for Rob and all the stuff I talked about for 33 fuel and fourth edge and um, yeah if you listen I hope you find something useful today and speak to you soon